Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Next Generation Saints. I'm your host, Nick Coons. So if you hadn't been tuning in earlier, I have been talking to Carl Tycrib and to um, Bob Worley. They're Christian apologists. Uh, Carl's located in wonderful Canada. And <laughs> sorry, I had to make a little chuckle there. And Bob Worley is located over in Bishop, California. They both go to an event called Burning Man um, near the Reno, Nevada area on the desert. So if, to do a quick recap, we were talking about the philosophy of Burning Man. It's a collection of all sorts of different religions, philosophies, political points of view. Basically, the white elephant in the living room here in America, or really anywhere, I'm guessing people from all over the world can even come here and, and participate. And then they basically try practicing it out. And then after they've kind of practiced it and made it I guess would be kind of like fermented wine make, and then be able to put out into the world. So now we're going to be discussing about Carl's book that's going to be coming out. So Carl, take it away. Sure, sure. The book is entitled Game of Gods, The Temple of Man and the Age of Reenchantment. It came out in 2018. And, and I'm going to open up by, I'm going to read a story from my book. Ooh, this story is, time. This is, yes, this is the introduction to the book. Um, and it, you know, here, here's the thing, Nick, I wrestle, I hate introductions I, and same with conclusions. Oh, I'm horrible at it. Just horrible. Mm -hmm. And so I was really wrestling with an introduction to this book and I had written already most of it before I went to Burning Man in 2017 with Bob. Mm -hmm. But, uh, um, I came away from the 2017 burn with my introduction and here it is. Two young ladies wearing eclectic costumes, powdered white by the ever-present alkali dust of the Black Rock Desert, slow their bicycles near our camp before calling out. Where are we? It was an innocent question for the streets of Black Rock City, the famous Burning Man gathering in Northwest Nevada can be disorienting if one is not paying attention to the road markers. Five in Kundalini, I answered, indicating our spot on the city's street grid. With a quick thank you, they pedaled off, disappearing into the ethereal blur of sensory overload, a pulsing ocean of light and sound and movement. Robert Worley, my friend and Burning Man companion, quickly mirrored their simple query, adding, now that's quite the existential question. It is indeed, where are we? So the book is an exploration of where we are on that crossroad of mm -hmm. politics, philosophy, religion, culture, technology, exploring oneism, exploring this idea that man, God, and nature are all ultimately the same. That is what culture says. That is the dominant worldview of our age. And then exploring historically and in the contemporary sense, what that looks like, mm -hmm. how, it play, how it plays out in uh, things like global governance. I go to United Nations events. I've been to a number of, of world government, world federalist meetings. Um, I attend pagan conferences. Mm -hmm. before, COVID, before COVID hit, I was in San Jose, California, attending the largest indoor gathering of witches in, in well, actually in the world. And so I go to these places. Are these like witches, um, sorry to interrupt, are these yeah. witches like the Wiccan witches? Are we talking like dark witches or like? They're all there. They're all okay. there. Okay. Yeah, yeah, Wiccans, uh, uh, traditional modern uh, witches, um, uh, Alexandrian fairy, mm -hmm. uh, Gardarian Wicca, the list goes on. 
Okay. Um, yeah, and I've been to other events, other events that had the left-hand path and the right-hand path. Um, the the more the uh, Luciferic Satanic side. Um, uh, in 2019, I attended one in Minneapolis that had um, both the left-hand Luciferic Satanic uh, elements along with the Wiccan, uh, the Gardarians, the others as well. It was really, really interesting from, from my perspective watching the interchange as they um, came together doing lectures, doing workshops, um, doing rituals. And so my job, you have to understand, Nick, my job since the early, well, really since the early 1990s, I've been doing this type of research uh, as a hobby. But by 1999, it became a full-time endeavor. Uh, I was the research director for a Christian author and apologist by the name of Gary Kaw. I helped him do the research on his book, New World Religion, back in 1999. Um, my job has been full-time since 1997, writing on these subjects, attending these kinds of events, uh, and then spreading the information out to a host of other authors, researchers, radio talk show hosts, uh, documentary producers, uh, professors. I'm, I'm kind of like my forte. Bob's forte is evangelism, mm -hmm. giving the gospel. My forte is, is the research. That's where I feel the most comfortable. So I walk into those worlds that most people either don't know exist or, or won't walk into. Yeah, I think it's a mixture of both. I think there are people who probably know about Burning Man. Um, but I think it's also, it, it's, it's rare to come across it, but it's unheard of to come across it, so to speak. Right, right. So I think, yeah, being able to go out and then being able to speak to these people, but at the same time going out to the roadway where people aren't able to get in, speak to them. Um, it almost sounds to an extent, almost like raving to a little bit of an extent. Because oh, yeah. out there they do the almost the same thing where it's like, you know, oh, we're going to try different things about feeling the vibes from each other and whatnot. And then you have, but then you have like plural ministries that will go out and they will help it because there's sex trafficking that takes place there. Yep. Um, have you guys ever actually on that quite on that part, have you guys ever experienced any sex trafficking over at Burning Man or is it pretty well secured? Uh, there are things that happen. There's no doubt. Uh, I have not seen anything myself. Um, will you encounter sexual activity? Oh, all the time. It's, it's, I mean, it's a hypersexual, sensually charged environment. There's no question. In fact, um, last year we had a, a young gentleman who joined us a little bit later in the burn. His name is Taylor. Great guy. Fantastic guy. I didn't know him, though, at all before he joined us. And he got there later in the week. And... Um, so I, I had to approach him and I approached him pretty bluntly up front. I said, look, there's a few things you need to recognize out here. Number one, you need to know the difference between finding something personally offensive and being offended. You have to know the difference. You have to understand the difference uh, between being offended and finding something offensive. You have to see stuff that's offensive all the time. From a Christian point of view, it's all, there's all kinds of offensive interactions happening but you can't be personally offended by it because it's not actually about you. You have to get mm. over that. So you have to learn the difference. If you can't figure that difference out, you're in trouble. Yeah, I was actually going to say, if you can explain yeah. that one out about how being offended personally versus something actually being offensive for the audience. Right, right. If you, if you, can't, if you can't figure that out, you're going to be in trouble. So here's one other area, and I told, I told Taylor this too. I said, um, this is a clothing optional event. It's hypersexual. It's hypersensualized. Um, you've got to figure this out right now. 
when you're going down the street and you see a naked, a naked person, a naked woman, uh, we, have, we have girls who've joined our groups too, and they see guys that are hunks, naked, naked guys too. And you have to be willing to say, okay, I'm, I see a beautiful person. She's hot. I recognize that because if you're going, oh, I see nothing, I see nothing. Well, you just lied to yourself. Uh, recognize they're beautiful and keep going. That's it. Don't stop and oogle. Don't let your temptations take you. Keep going. They're just people. Mm-hmm. So that's an area that, that I told them, hey, that's what you have to do. You can't, you know, you have to work at that. Um, can, you, can you accept gifts? Because it's a gifting economy. There are no buying, there's no buying and selling. It's not a, it's, there are no vendors. Can you accept gifts? It's a gifting economy, not barter, gifting. Mm-hmm. So can you accept gifts that you don't even want? But can you accept them graciously and then dispose of them privately? 2018, I got a handful of weed. I didn't know what to do with it. I didn't want it. I gave it to Bob. So Bob disposed of it. <laughs> and you know? Bob, how did you dispose of it? <laughs> wow, that was a spiritual year, I tell you. Well, what was so funny about that is I put it in my, uh, tra- I have a little box of tracks and, and different things, and I stuck it in there and say, well, I'll get rid of it. And I forgot all about it. <laughs> oh, and I was going to go witnessing later. And I opened it up. And I saw, oh, my gosh, right? And I threw it away then. But uh, yeah, Carl's right on that. And, and uh, uh, you know, you don't want to dis- uh, disrespect their custom. Uh, you know, uh, we usually have, uh, like, um, uh, in the past, we've had uh, little pennies that are squashed with the Ten Commandments on it. And uh, the, the reason for that is there are very few people that will throw that away. They will keep it forever. And then when you witness to them with that 10 commandments, uh, they'll always remember that. And so that's our, our gift, our type, type of gift that we give out. And uh, yeah, and, and I gotta say one more thing then Carl's gotta take back over on this, but uh, Carl's a, a uh, a first-hand boots-on-the-ground person. When you look at his book and so forth, he has first-hand accounts uh, and he has the original writings. He doesn't quote somebody that quoted somebody that quoted somebody that distorted anything. Telephone. Uh, yeah. And and so you're getting the real deal. Uh, I saw Carl first on a, on a, a apologetic show. Uh, it was... Uh, Jimmy Swaggart's wife, I forget her name now, but uh, oh, Carl. Francis, yeah. Yeah, Francis and Friends. And I saw Carl on there. My wife and I were watching this, and he was saying some pretty wild stuff. And, uh, you know, I, after he got off, I said, you know what? As wild as that is, it's all true, <laughs> right? And, uh, and I knew that, right? My wife knew it. Uh, so the boots on the ground, uh, I'm the type that if you say, hey, there's uh, Sharia zones in, 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 uh, during the uh, Arab festival in Dearborn, Michigan, uh, I'll show up, right? And uh, I'll go to Phoenix to witness. I'll go down south to different conventions of cult groups. I go to the Kingdom Halls. I go to the, the, the Mormon churches. I go to the Jewish uh, synagogues and so forth. And so Carl and I do different things 
But I'm going to tell you something from 1996, I, when I first started going out there, and I got to say, I got more experience probably anybody about witnessing at Burning Man. But Carl showed up never being at Burning Man and taught me a lot of stuff about Burning Man that I did not know. In fact, he was, he for two years was my tour guide. So that's how thorough his research is before he even gets at Ground Zero. So Carl, carry on. <laughs> With that in <laughs> mind. <laughs> I, I, I am a stickler for doing research. I, I have to, I, I, th that's my makeup, that's my nature. Getting back to the, to the aspect of how different this place can be, how different Burning Man can be. Um, I'm, I'm holding, this is from the 2017 burn. When you arrive, as I said in the last show, when you arrive, you receive your, your book listing all the events. It's called the What, Where, When Guide. This is a 2017 cover for Radical Ritual. But in 2017 and every year I've been since, uh, you also receive brochures. This little one is on locations of the Zendo camps. And uh, I've talked to people at the Zendo camps. Zendo camps are locations for if you're having a psychedelic meltdown, uh, it's a safe place. And so they have camps set up specific for that. On the other side, and I'm gonna have to put my reading glasses on for that, uh, is the Bureau of Erotic Discourse. They have their own little bureau for what to do with erotic situations talking about consent, clarity and consent on the playa. Uh, but the one that really hits you, and keep in mind, this is a city, Nick, this is a city. Can you tell me what kind of a city you go to where you would, would receive a brochure before entering the city on sexual assault and rape? If you're sexually assaulted, please know that you're not alone. There is a loving community here to support you. Do not blame yourself. Rape is never the victim's fault. It goes on and on and on. That's pretty wild. I was going to say, the only time I've come across something with a brochure of that would be Disneyland. But that's like attractions and wait times. And if you need right. like first aid or something like that, here's a first aid location. So, I mean, I can understand that. But I would never I would never say anything from Disneyland where I would say like, if you were raped at an event where you go, whatnot. That's the only, the only time I can really think about that would be like at a rave where they have the mm -hmm. floor ministries and they say, okay, you know, you've had this happen. We're here for you. Call this number. We're this wristband. Um, we have mothers right. and fathers who are here to help out. Now, switching gears onto the book, does your book, um, and understand it talks about the philosophy behind being out at Burning Man. If someone were to read your book, Carl, would they get a general, a very good picture of the philosophy that is taking place in there? So if, and maybe the philosophy um, of other type of Burning Man situations? Oh, yes. Uh, because the book isn't just about Burning Man. In fact, Burning Man only makes up one chapter, but it's laced throughout the text of the book. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and Burning Man makes up chapter 14 of the book, which is really a case study for the argument I make earlier. And that argument is that we have entered the age of oneness. We're no longer in the postmodern, ask questions but have no answers age. Now we're in the age of reenchantment, where it's we find our purpose, we find our meaning, we find our wonder in creation itself, in the collective we. And so that's the argument I'm making. Uh, and, and demonstrating that that argument has implications politically. So there's an entire chapter devoted to uh, world government, the uh, world federalist movement. I've gone to different United Nations events. I've been to a number of world federalist events. In fact, for the longest time, I had a membership with the world, federal, with the world federalist community, attending world government meetings. These are not meetings 
this is not conspiracy theory stuff. This is literally meetings on developing the mechanisms and the potential structure of what world government will look like. Okay? Oh, what you're talking about here is vaguely reminding me. Uh, I, I, my brain's going to the point where it almost sounds like the one world order, like when the Antichrist it is, is going to rise. It so is one world. I, I don't bring, now keep in mind, I, I, do, I do hold a prophetic perspective, mm -hmm. which is the same basically as Bob's prophetic perspective, mm -hmm. but I don't tackle this from a prophecy angle. Okay. I wanted, I wanted people to recognize that what's happening, because here's the situation next. So many times people think in terms of prophecy, it's out there, it's further down the line. Mm -hmm. I'm saying, hold on, what we're talking about is really ongoing. I've actually had that very issue as well, because I talked to uh, Don Stewart before years ago over at Calvary Chapel Corona. And what's crazy when I listen like to his channel, <clears throat> well, that's what his, his channel is called, his channel. And I listen to it, the more I'm looking at biblical prophecies, I understand where you're coming from. I talked to many Christians too as well who have that worldview of, oh, prophecy, well, that, that's 30 years down or that's 40, that's 100 years. You know, that won't happen for in my lifetime. I go, the problem is um, prophecy isn't out there yonder some of it is kind of yonder but I, when i mm -hmm. looked at like when i was listening to don stewart he was talking about revelations and i realized nine about 95 to 97 percent of revelations we completely understand there's only a small portion left and and, and for the audience that's listening the, the scary part is this revelation clearly outlines and says that this will only be fulfilled when the last generation is here they will understand the very ending of Revelations because that will be the last generation here on earth before the second coming. And I look and go, well, if it's only at 97% that we know and you're only leaving up 3%, that means that it's not way out there yonder. I mean, we're never going to know when it's going to happen, but we have a very strong indication that it is maybe much sooner than anticipated. Absolutely. And listen, when, when I go to events like world government events, and mm -hmm. I have an entire chapter just on that, the history of that, when I go to interfaith events like the Parliament of World Religions, which seeks a commonality of all religions within a unified world structure, which, by the way, is far more political than it is spiritual. I didn't even know they had that. Oh, yes, absolutely. I've been to a couple of them. I've been to a lot of interfaith events, but the Parliament of World Religions is like it's basically the burning man of the religious world. Uh, 10,000 religious leaders from every, every walk of every faith, every sect imaginable coming together um, to, to work together towards a, basically a, a, new, a new global era. And that's completely recognized and understood. Um, there's no hiding that there, none. It's just, it's wide open. I guess because you just don't see it on the mainstream media when they post it, they're more worried about other, you know, bashing the president of the United States or COVID-19. Honestly, what does the mainstream media give you? Junk. I mean, nothing. <laughs> exactly. It's junk. It's, it's consumerist junk. Yeah, it's all um, about the ratings. That's why right. I'm interested when we talk about this, because this is the type of information I want my audience, I want our, your, all of our audiences to listen in on, because this is extremely important if we have since as you're describing carl where they have world leaders like religious leaders protestants catholics islam mm -hmm. buddhists hindus mm -hmm. muslims whatever islam i said muslim too so twice whatever but they're coming together to try to create a in essence a one world religion yes yes and this it's is something huge this is exactly what the prophecy is and what they're going to look for now is in essence from a christian my christian perspective is 
the Antichrist is basically going to be like the you know the how you're putting the present together and you're trying to tape it all together and you want to put the final bow on top and tie it. Well, you might have to get some little tape to tape it on there or the little knot to secure it. He's going to be the one that secures that knot and delivers the baggage. But it's as you pointed out, we had our earlier discussion on our last pod on the last uh, um, episode. Is it's empty? It has nothing good for you. It looks great for a season, but is ultimately bankrupt, which is right. what Christ talks about. Right, right. Now, now, what we're talking about in terms of, of even just the, from the position of eschatology is, is, is we have this sense in our Christian thinking that all of a sudden life is normal all week long. We enter the weekend, all of a sudden, poof, Monday, we have a one world system and the Antichrist is in power. Uh, hold on. No, structures are always put in place. They're always, mankind is building his own temple. Exactly. Which exactly. is why I've entitled, subtitled my book, The Temple of Man in the Age of Reenchantment. I th- and I think an easy way to look at it as well is, you know, recently I'm going to use COVID-19 as, uh, as, a, as a point here, is, you know, when I was working at the Hilton and stuff, and next thing you know, I, I'm watching the news and they go, well, some virus disease comes out there. It seems to come out of nowhere, right? And it's impacted the world. But then when you have time um, to really research into it, you realize, as you said, Carl, this isn't something that just popped out of the ground like that. It, it took time and it built and it developed. And it was structured up. Now, I'm not trying to be a conspiracy person about COVID-19, but I am saying that there is, there's obviously a lot of factors that contributed into the research development or whatever happened with COVID. No different than this one world order that you're talking about, this one world religion. It's gonna, you're right, it's going to pop into existence and people are going to be like, what the heck? But then when you really take time to take a step back and look at it, it didn't just pop into existence. It's been there the entire time. It just right. wasn't hitting. No one's really talking about it except for people like us. Right. I'd like to so, step, step in on this real quick. Go for it, Bob. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I became a Christian uh, back in the late 70s. And so uh, I ended up hearing all these, uh, you know, the Lord's coming soon and uh, mm-hmm. about bubble memory and, and uh, the mark of the beast and all this. Well, I'm somebody that's into technology at some level, and uh, I knew that uh, for that to happen, we would have to have a worldwide network, right? Uh, you can't have the fulfillment of Revelation 13 unless you have a worldwide network. We do not even have a worldwide network today. It, uh, it, it's not there. It is building uh, as Leon Musk Spacelink. If you go on uh, YouTube, look up Space. Oh yeah, I, I I keep an eye on SpaceX all yeah. the time. I and think so, it's. I, I so, thought. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So they're putting in a global. He's looking at uh, you know like a thousand satellites up there, uh, and he and he has satellites that are going up at sixty at a time, and he's going to cover the whole world with a small box that will put the guy in a little hut in Africa to be able to be on the worldwide network mm-hmm. and so this is his vision leon musk and so it's uh and you know there's some great videos that he does on it and uh there's some geniuses out there and so when we look at bible prophecy i think that what people do is they say they jump the gun they they, mm-hmm. they want to they want it right now but we are not to that point in technology to have a global government that would fulfill uh, uh, Revelation 13. Another thing is, uh, uh, as far as uh, a one-world government, um, 
you know, the Bible is pretty clear about that there's still going to be nations mm -hmm. and so forth. So we would mm -hmm. be more of uh, a, a, like a UN type of, of situation. And also on the issue of like a one world religion, uh, I think that we're more of the interfaith type of situation. You're still going to have Muslims be Muslims and and uh, Buddhists be Buddhist. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, if you want to read a book that is uh, really a sad situation, is Peter Kreef's book. He's a Catholic apologist that does uh, works with a lot of Christian apologists, and it's called Ecumenical Jihad, written back uh, in the 90s, mm -hmm. where he talks about he got hit in the head with a surfboard, ended up in heaven, and met Buddha and Confucius and Muhammad and all these people, and he talked about you know. Uh, uh, you know, how that we can harmonize all religions. And it I sounds think- Sounds like he hit his head rather hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think he did. And uh, I thought about hitting him in the head with a board and seeing if I could get him back, right? But, <laughs> but uh, I, I think what, what you see is that, for example, I'm teaching the Trinity right now. It's about two hours once a week. And it's to get the foundation. It's like two years to teach this doctrinal position of the Trinity to get it good and firm in somebody. And uh, and what I'm getting at is that we can't give up the Word of God as being the absolute standard. Absolutely. And this is where you got into that subjectivism that you're talking about. When I wake up in the morning, I mean, I'm already an old, chubby, ugly guy. But when I wake up in the morning and look in the mirror, I don't look like a Christian. I don't feel like a Christian. I got bad breath. But I have to depend on what the Word of God says. And the Word of God says that because of my rebirth, Romans 8, uh, 1 through 16, that I am a Christian. Absolutely. And so, and so I just wanted to throw that out is let's don't be jumping the gun. What Carl does that's a little different from all the uh, people that are prophecy buffs. And Carl gives talks at prophecy conferences, by the way. But he, when he talks about showing up to these events, these are real events. These are United Nations events. These are federal uh, uh, events. These are the Rio event with Al Gore that he shows up to. These are the real deal. First had boots on the ground. And so it's not a conspiracy theory when it's true. Right. Yeah, right? absolutely. And so, right. Carl, I'm going to let it back over, but I did want to no, make good. that point. That's fine. That's fine. That's very, good. very good. No. And, and, and to your point, Bob, and I'm glad you brought that up, to your point, one of the things that comes out at interfaith events, like the Parliament of World Religions, and this came out at the 2015 Parliament, um, is that the interfaith movement, uh, and I have, been, I have been to other interfaith events, I was at the United Religions Initiative uh, Global Summit in 2000, uh, the, the interfaith movement earlier on was about unity, about the idea that we could all find some form of unity. Now the language has changed. It's no longer unity, it's harmony. Therefore, you can stay Christian, you can stay Buddhist, you can stay Hindu, you can stay Islam, as long as we find a central harmonizing point. And the central harmonizing point is in the salvation, and this came out in the 2018 parliament, the salvation of the world, that that becomes our new point of, of meaning, purpose, and destiny. We save the world. We do this now by 
all recognizing our essential oneness. That's why one of the workshops at the 2015 Parliament was asking the question, are we all one? And then the moderator, um, th that was a really interesting workshop, by the way, about 300 people in the room. And the 2015 Parliament had about 10,000 participants, okay? And it's broken down into hundreds and hundreds of workshops all week long. It's literally like a burning man, so to speak, in terms of the religious world. Uh, they just don't burn an effigy. Uh, but the, the moderator asked the question, are we all one? And then he said, think about your religious experience, that aha moment. And people just shout out, you know, a word or a phrase of what that, what that was like. And people shouted out, love, joy, peace, uh, tranquility, this type of thing. And he stopped us all and he said, listen to yourselves. You're Christians, you're Hindu, you're Sikhs, um, you're Wiccans, you're all these different, you're all different and you're all saying the exact same thing. See, it's the experience that we have all held or had together, this experience, this transcendent experience, this, this expressive spirituality. Now, see, we're all one. We don't need dogmas, we don't need do doctrines, you can maintain your Christianity, you can maintain your, your, your Islam, you can maintain your Hinduism, but you've all had that direct experience of the divine. I think this is uh, very much like when I, I go to North Bible Church over in Scottsdale, and one of it was a sermon that my, past, my senior pastor Jay brought up, and I think it, it kind of highlights here is, um, in essence, it's they want the kingdom, not the king. They want the experiences of joy, happiness, love, contentment, but they don't want the King Jesus involved in that. That's why I say, okay, you can have whatever, but ultimately it's this. That's what I'm hearing here is, you know, you, you can have these experiences, but ultimately it's just spirituality, just how you get there. Right. And that's a problem that doctrine has is saying that's not right at all. It is Christ because when you guys create, because I mean, the proof is in the pudding. They get this idea of the spirituality. Then they go off to burning man but ultimately it's still bankrupt. They still haven't solved the, the loss of their son. They still haven't had their major issue. They haven't filled out their sexual lust. They haven't done any of those things. It's still empty. So it's almost, it's like man coming in saying, we want to create our own religion. We want to do our own thing. We want God, we want this kingdom. We don't want the king. But the problem is when they put the king, push the king out, the kingdom isn't really there. They have to fabricate one that's, you know, it looks nice like Disneyland, yes. but ultimately is fake. Right, right. What is being described, and I've heard this with my own ears mm -hmm. more times than I count, uh, we, are, we want to build the kingdom of heaven now. Babylon much? Building the kingdom of heaven now. Right, exactly. So I, I see that when I'm at transhumanist events, because I've, I've been a speaker uh, mm -hmm. at, as, a, as a Christian critic of transhumanism. Um, Again, that, that idea that through, through our technology, we can ascend, we save ourselves. I, I've seen that at global governance events. What we are doing is, is all that we, we will still maintain nations, but we'll just add an extra layer, an extra structure over top of that, every, that every nation can fall in line with. All of this, all, all, ultimately, all of this, including Burning Man, really the bottom line is this, it's an alternative salvation message. Exactly. We will find our salvation by either the experience we have in the playa, we will discover our, our divine self, mm -hmm. or we will find our, our salvation through our politics, or we'll find our salvation through our interfaithism, or we'll find our salvation through our technology. In fact, 
part four of my book is four case studies on those four things, politics, interfaithism, technology, and transformational culture like Burning Man. And I guess the only question that remains here, and Seth and we'll wrap it up in a little bit, is uh, I've come across many times when I've witnessed to say atheists or I've had uh, debates or conversations with them. And it boils down to why don't you want Jesus? And I remember talking to Pastor Cliff Connectly and his son, Pastor Stuart Connectly, who we'll probably have on the next interview with this when we get all together and talk about it, because I know he and you guys would be great to talk to. We'd have a great conversation. It was, we wanted to do things our way. We don't want Jesus, because we want to rule our own lives. We want to do our own thing. We want to have sex with as many good-looking women, or for women, sex with as many good-looking men as possible. We want to have our drink as much as we want to, smoke as much pot as we want to, or whatever drugs you want to do. I want to feel good on my own terms, because if I go to Jesus, I'm going to be convicted, but, you know, because the Holy Spirit convicts you that you've done wrong, but not to condemn you, but to save you and bring you to Jesus. And then it's a bunch of rules. It's religion. And I think that's kind of what I've, I've seen a lot of is when I talk to people about that, it's, oh, well, the church does this, the religion does this versus here's Jesus. Jesus loves you. Jesus is having a relationship with you. Jesus wants you to have communion with others. Jesus wants you to have a church, which is just people helping each other out in essence and loving on each other. But I think that's, yeah, I think it's, it's just basically keeping Jesus out while trying to keep the keep the kingdom again the kingdom right. without the king right and, and it's reliving the first lie the first mm -hmm. lie what what was ultimately the first lie the first lie was this transgress and you can transform transgress, That's, yeah, exactly right. right transgress god's law you will become as god god is now open to be challenged you can transgress and become transformed all what we've been discussing transformational festivals the new age, paganism, re-enchantment, all mm -hmm. of these different interlocking points ultimately all say the same thing. Transgress and you will transform. Exactly. Why is Burning Man a great big open canvas to go and, and experiment with new forms of spirituality? Why is it a place where even within the rave culture, because that really interacts a lot within the burning community, it is that experiential aspect of I am transgressing norms and I will find myself transformed through it. Exactly. And you will, you will, it, but not what, in the way you think. What, one of the things I'd like to add to this, because this is a, a three Christians speaking, that uh, I deal with some uh, kind of heretical groups inside the Christian church, and you have your full preterist, which are, uh, a, a, it's a eschatology that uh, everything happened before 70 AD, and now we're gonna bring in the kingdom, all of the Bible is as a historical book, and uh, I've had discussions with these people, and it gets quite bizarre. Uh, so the authority, I believe, doesn't uh, end up being scripture, but their view that they're going to bring in the kingdom on earth, and when they get it done, then they're going to ask Jesus to come back, right? Well, they're perverting some scriptures there. Yeah, I was going to say that's a little different. <laughs> yeah, and uh, partial preterists, uh, which do believe uh, in, in, in the resurrection, uh, so they can be counted as in the Christian camp, uh, believe uh, somewhat that what's going to happen is that we are going to morph into uh, and take over uh, the world as Christians, and things are going to get better and better, and then we're going to ask Jesus to come back. Well, I'm a pre-millennial, 
Christian, I expect things to get real bad and worse, and that not all things happened at 70 AD, uh, you know, with the partial preterist. So it's only, I think, the last few chapters of Revelation uh, still needs to be fulfilled. The kingdom now theology that we're going to bring in the kingdom and so forth. And what they all have in common, uh, I believe, right, is a misunderstanding scripture or not the authority of scripture. Uh, one gentleman that uh, writes books and highly regarded in the Christian uh, church, and uh, I've taken a lot of heat because I've done shows on this guy. And basically what he says was Paul was misunderstood. He didn't mean that you were going to be imputed uh, righteous or uh, righteous, that you weren't going to be declared righteous, that it's going to be the community of the church that saves you. Well, you know what? I don't want you guys coming over to my house and said, hey, I got to hang out with you to be saved. <laughs> I believe, right? So we have this falsehood entering the church, right? Mm -hmm. I can imagine Carl and I spend a week together and we have a common goal and we're both pretty mellow. So uh, I don't know what it would be like after two weeks. Right. But I know the one week, uh, you know, we're ready to go home. <laughs> right. Know? And, and so the point, the point I have is our faith is not in man, that it is in uh, Christ and Christ alone and Christ is coming back. And we are supposed to be waiting in Titus for our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, and not to uh, produce this kingdom without a king, as you put it, and that's 100% right, Nick. You, you said it in, in a way, and I'm going to have to use that uh, uh, in some of my witnessing, is that's what we're wanting to do. We want to do it our way, but we want to blame everybody else. It was... It was the women you gave the three of us, Lord, right? We want to blame other people. It was the woman you gave me, Lord, uh, and so forth. So we want, to, we want to hide our sin. We want to get away. And so we have got to present the gospel in a way to bring that person to the point, right, to realize that they're a sinner and they can't do it on their own. Exactly. So we got about five more minutes on the clock. So Carl, I'm going to go ahead and ha end this on you with uh, your work because we're talking about your book. Bob, that was awesome. I really did appreciate that. It was really good. So Carl, want to finish off and uh, where can we go ahead and get your book if someone wants to get it? Um, and final thoughts on it. Sure. Um, you can pick it, pick it up on Amazon uh, or go to my website and read excerpts, gameofgods.ca. Uh, I'm going to read you just a conclusion. Go for it. I, again, I, I started with the introduction. I'll give you the conclusion. And this is just a short conclusion. What will you put your faith in? The cult of world order, spiritual politics, technology. Will you look for meaning in a mystical feeling? Are you trusting in an ancient future vision? Will you, as a compliant global citizen, proclaim the myth of reenchantment? The temple of man beckons, come, let us build our Babel, let us play our game of gods. Or will you place your hope in someone who is eternally greater? Thus says the Lord, the King of Israel and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, I am the first and I am the last. Besides me, there is no God. Amen. All right. 
I like that. Well, thank you guys again. I really appreciate it. We got to do this again. I'm going to go ahead and reach out to one of my friends over in New Canaan, Connecticut about this. And, but this was wonderful. I hope everyone learned something from it. Go ahead and get uh, Carl's book online and give it a read and then come onto the channel and ask some questions. So until next time we meet again, may God virtually bless you all, my dearly beloved.